The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just On Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, how's it going, buddy? Uh, well, I mean, it's going. Um, <laughs> you know, as longtime listeners of the show know, we talk off the air all the time. That's not unusual. And they may or may not hear um, a puppy snoring in the background. That is because I'm the new owner of a way overpriced puppy and um yeah i mean i i i'm I'm gonna break man rules here and not admit to my wife but all of you because we all know she doesn't listen so i can say this in confidence but she's starting to grow on me so but i'm never gonna tell her that no don't tell her that no no never we don't want her to know that but no i chose uh Marital happiness over financial happiness and uh, let her badger me into a completely way too expensive puppy. Well, congratulations, I guess, on on that. And you know, I guess happy wife, happy life and yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to discuss the exact price. I will tell you this. Um, so I went to the barber shop today, got a beard trim and all that stuff. Um I saw a flyer for a motorcycle that costs less than this puppy. <laughs> so, and, and people are going to think I'm joking. I'm absolutely 100% not joking. It's, it's messed up. So, uh, she better be a good dog. Um, you know, but I mean, I'm not going to take any responsibility for it. If she isn't, it's completely the wife's <laughs> fault, um, or the puppy's fault, you know, at this point, but so, uh, no, yeah, I'm okay. super excited. Yeah. We're doing our, uh, extra live Budokai freaking episode here. Yeah, we are live on Mixer.com right now as we speak. Mixer.com slash Just Some Podcast. People can log in, they can interact with us, and they can uh, chat. Like, we just got a chat popped up from Jen. says, waves high. So, hey, Jen, how's it going? <clears throat> so, you're going to help shape the show. We are going to go completely live. There's no nets, no retakes. Anything that you're hearing right now, you're going to hear as uh, you're going to hear it on the podcast when we release it tomorrow. So, with that being said, Tom, man, it has been a crazy week here. I don't know about you, but we have done tons and tons of well child exams. Like, <laughs> I think that we have uh, poked every child in this area with a needle this, this last two weeks. So, yeah, why, why playing ahead and do all that stuff when you could just wait till the last minute and try shoehorn it all in at once. Exactly. That's what I always uh, say. I think there was, I think there was the other day, I think I did like 10 uh, throughout my day. So yeah, it's been a little busy, but Hey, it's all good. All good. It is. It is all good. And uh, I think we should also tell people the reason if they don't pay attention to our social media sites, which I know we're going to cover here shortly uh, that yes. we got such a, great response from everybody on two fronts i should say uh first of all they liked the uncut version of the episode we released and they seem to really like the movie review yeah the movie review went really well um <clears throat> and then we uh also did send out our survey so if you do follow us on any of our social media make sure that you Click on our survey and fill it out for us so that we can hear what 
you like, what you don't like, and anything like that that we may need to potentially change. But yeah, one of the big things that come back that was huge was, hey, you know what? We want to do some live episodes. We want to hear you guys live. So here we are. You guys can interact with us. Look, even producer Sam is in the chat room even now. So, but Tom, since you said social media, let's go ahead and go down that road. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web. We're at www.justsomepodcast.com. You can email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Don't forget that you can find us on YouTube also. You can find us on Libsyn. That's justsomepodcast.libsyn.com. And you can find us on Helium Radio. We're on Helium Radio Network, Channel 2. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And now, hell, we're on Mixer.com slash Just Some Podcast. Tom, oh, man, I'm going to have to start uh, truncating that a little yeah, bit. Maybe we are going to have to <laughs> chop and record that one. Yeah, maybe we are going to have to chop and record that one for or something and edit that in. Um, so, yeah, you still on Mixer.com. I was like, ha, I'm going to be sly and get that in here, but now I can't. So what they can do, though, what I do know about, what I am fairly certain is possible, is that they can give us ratings or reviews on any of their social media sites that you just listed. They could tell any of their friends or family, hey, there are uh, some guys I listen to. Uh, ben knows what he's talking about. Tom is just mildly annoying. But they can also go to our website. At the bottom, there is an Amazon affiliate link. They can click on that to go shopping. It costs them nothing, and it helps out the show. So we would really appreciate that. And we do talk about it every week, but every week it sends, seems to get responses. So we're going to keep talking about it for a while. On any of those social media sites, if you have some dog training uh, tips, tricks, whatever like that, you feel like letting me know about, you just feel free. And on a live show note, Huh. I can see the chat, but for some reason I am unable, and I don't know if it's because you and I are both logged in or what. So if you are sending us, I see several messages on the message board. It's not that I don't want to respond. It's just that I can't. So just a heads up from Tom. But I can, so it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. So, and honestly, um, like most messages on social media sites, it's probably better that Ben does ultimately hold the control over what is said. So, well, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not always bad, but it just doesn't seem to go well sometimes. So that's true, but it'd be all right. We still love you. It is what it is. Um, I have a dog training trip for you. Don't buy a dog. How about that? Oh, wow. Wow. It's because words are hard for you, Tom. (laughs) Jesus. I had no slack for Tom at any point. Good to know. Hashtag words are hard. Hashtag words are hard. Hashtag um, don't buy a dog no matter how adorable it is and how many times your wife has pressured you into it (laughs) and sent you hundreds of pictures and her freaking messages that say, God, can you just imagine how adorable this dog is? Yeah, I can. Doesn't mean I want one, but guess what? There's a goddamn dog in my house now. So, I mean, there's that. Well, Tom, you didn't say that. Pat pending. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> that's one long hashtag. <laughs> I don't I have to put that an acronym. Yeah. So, Tom, I think let's go ahead and jump into stories that you may have missed. How about that sound? Well, is it a story about buying a puppy against your will? I really thought about finding that one, but no, I did not. So, Tom, I would say because I could tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> You are an you are an ER nurse by trade previously, correct, sir? As am I. The moon. What, oh, do you, what, what are your thoughts on the moon, Tom? Is the moon made it that it's real? Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that it's real. Um, it's not a hologram. This isn't a flat Earth. Oh, I get. I hold on. Now I get where we're going with this. Uh, there's probably some kind of study that says that the full moon has no effect on the ER. And I will tell you that is horseshit. <laughs> so there is a widely held notion that moon influences mood and psychiatric health. And in particular, the full moon, as you know, everybody knows. So because Tom, it does. <laughs> there's been a few studies out. And I just thought I'd cover those real quickly for you. <laughs> Yeah, you go ahead. (laughs) There was a study in 1984 that suggested the rate of criminality was likely to increase on nights with a full moon. Um, The author said this might be because of, quote, human tidal waves caused by the gravitational pull of the moon. What? 
Come in a little, hey, I'm just reading what it says, buddy. Uh, Coming a little <laughs> bit more recent, uh, 2009, psychiatric facilities admitted more people during the full moon than usual, although it was a very small study with only 91 patients, uh, but 23% of those admissions took place during the full moon. So, you know, there may be something to that. Oh, wait, you knew, you already figured out what I was going to end up doing, so... Yeah, no, just do it. Just do <laughs> Other it. research has contradicted the notion that the full moon makes people more likely to harm themselves or others. There was a study published in the journal Psychiatry in 1998 that found no significant relationship between any phase of the moon and a rise in violent behavior. And in 2019, researchers from Switzerland and the U.S. analyzed data of 17,966 individuals treated at 15 different psychiatric wards over 10 years found no evidence of a rise in aggression during the full moon phase. Tom, your thoughts? Well, I got a couple. So first of all, they're all wrong. (laughs) Everybody's wrong? No, they're not all wrong. Um, uh, Jen has a a very good uh, valid point. So the people that can't see our message boards might be, it would be helpful if I actually read it out loud. So uh, Jen on our message board pointed out that the full moon business is partly a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I would like to believe her, but no, I I disagree. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) and I know you chuckled at home wherever you're at. So there's that. Uh, Here's what I think. I think first of all, 1998, uh, maybe things were different. You know, I think Tupac was still alive. I don't know. You know, things were just, it wasn't the same, man. Uh, I was still in high school for Christ's sakes. Like, no. So uh, they're invalid. It's not even this century. I don't care what they say. Was that like millennia? Was that like your second or third senior year or (laughs) my eighth? I was halfway to a doctorate (laughs) at that point. Um, I would say the new study, first of all, half of it happened in a neutral country. So what do they know? Uh, the other half probably happened in Northern California where everything's really nice. So they don't know either. So um, I, f- I call shenanigans on this whole study project. Okay. Well, I guess you can call shenanigans here's if what, you wish. You know what? Here's here's what I'll call shenanigans on. Uh, myself, yourself, uh, Sam the producer who is now in the chat room, um, and at least tens of people listening to this that have experience in ERs are all going to say, well, we have a couple hundred years worth of combined experience. I tell you that you're bullshit that, um, yeah, that's me that, uh, it does. It does. There is something about it. And Jen may have a point. Maybe we just say, oh, it's going to be a bad night. And then something bad happens. And we're like, see, I'm not saying that there isn't a component of that, but, but in law enforcement and in medicine, it, in every facet, when you say full moon, people know shit's going to hit the fan. And that's just how it is. So these studies can say whatever they want. This is one of the few times I'm going to say I'm not really, I, I, I guess I'm not going to rely on data from this study. Well, like usually, you know, I'm like, well, what's the study say? But nah. Here's my thought. And I didn't get to delve into the study. It was kind of obviously a broad overview of the studies. But they're looking specifically at aggressive behavior, not necessarily a change in psychiatric moods or okay uh, problems with, you know, more frequency to the ER, things of that nature. So I would be more inclined to agree with you. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, it took a live show for me to agree with you. Uh, but I would agree yeah, with you. I you think- can't edit it out. That's what he does, people. He always does stuff on the regular show. And then later on, he's like, he dubs himself going in. No, Tom, I don't agree with you. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> a little while ago, you did. But no, I do think that there probably is something to that. I do know that even in the clinics, uh, full moons, just weird shit happens. It does. And. Maybe that's maybe that's a better way to uh, go about discussing this is, OK, what did you actually study? Because maybe you're right. More may, maybe more axe murderers don't come out during full moons. But I will tell you right now. Uh, you're going to get more stuff. It's going to happen. You're going to you're going to be busy. It just. It just is. It just is. It just is. Yeah, I'm done. That's that's a Tom shirt of the arrow was one. Oh, Jesus. It just is. 
Wow. Versus this is some bullshit, man. That's another Tomism right there. You're going to hear that a lot, probably. Well, Tom, you got anything else to add to the uh, full moon story before we jump into our main topic tonight? Did they call me? No. So they're wrong. There you go. That's the end of that story. From now on, that's how I'm going to verify every <laughs> study. Did they call me? <laughs> this is I'm, I'm just going to be like every time I'm going to be like, um, did those researchers from Oxford and Harvard call me? They didn't. Well, then I don't know if this is a valid study. That's how everything is going to go from now on. Jen wants to know if where's your threshold for weird because this is uh, Ohio after all. So is there a different threshold for weird there, Tom? Um, I, I, I think probably people that live in Ohio think there is, but I've lived a lot of places and I, I think weird is got a uh, it's got one of those standards that you can't define, but you know it when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah. um, that's the famous uh, threshold. Some Supreme Court justice that I can't remember his name off where they were talking about a case involving pornography. He said, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. it it's literally. It. Yeah, it's it's literally the same thing for weirdness is I can't tell you like what is weird. Well, I mean, I could tell you some things that are weird, you know, but um <laughs> Never mind. I mean, I know this conversation we can't edit out. Quick, I was saying because yeah. we can't edit this out. I'm going to go ahead and refrain from saying <laughs> stuff that might get us into some sort of weird legal issues. But I will say it's one of those things, you know, it when you see it and the full moon seems to bring it out in people like for some reason, they're like, you know, I wouldn't have stuck the stock of celery in my ass yesterday but it's a full moon today you just couldn't and it. it just seems like a thing to do and i don't know why or did they are you sure they didn't trip and fall on the celery tom well that's what they're going to say <laughs> yeah I mean, that's what did they all say all right <laughs> they, they all, every story starts off with you're not going to believe this you're <laughs> right so <laughs> oh wow all right tom. my drugs but they were in your pants. I don't know what else to tell you. So, uh, Speaking of, did you see the recent story of the woman who had methamphetamine in her vagina and said that it was not her methamphetamine? Actually, I saw that that uh, headline, but I didn't even click on it. <laughs> I saw the headline. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really want to click on it because I didn't know how graphic it was going to be. Um, but, yeah. I didn't care. I'm so used you, to that. How do you deny <laughs> that which is in your vagina? Well, since I don't have a vagina, I don't I, I don't know where you'd even start with. Maybe that's a whole another show right there. Can you fall on that? Like I don't think that's how it works. Um I will say I have arrested multiple people, and I know of other officers that have arrested multiple people. Like when you're frisking them and all of a sudden you find like crack or uh, cocaine in their pocket, they're like, That's not mine. I'm like, Well it sucks, it's in your pants. So I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> like <laughs> But it's in your pants. But it's so. in your pants. Um, so if it's in your vagina, I think, man. Yeah, you know, just one of those, like, was your vagina with you all day today? <laughs> yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> if you could logistically explain how you were separated from your own vagina long enough for someone to put that in there, I'll let you go. I would have actually said that to him. I said, okay, okay, you explain to me <laughs> how someone got methamphetamines into your vagina without you knowing it, and I'll let you go. Fair enough. Of course, the, the caveat would have been, but you have to plead guilty <laughs> when I prove that you're lying to me. So. <laughs> well, Tom, are you ready to get into uh, our main topic tonight? So if I say no, does that change anything? Nope. Okay, well then, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we are we, absolutely ready then, Ben. <laughs> so we thought we would do a series of kind of odd jobs. Uh, Tom and I had talked about this, and we thought, you know, let's just kind of highlight some of the stranger things that uh, providers get the opportunity to do. And I know that we've sent out some stuff on social media, and we've got some, I think, some interesting guests lined up uh, here in the coming weeks. But we had decided to start with the odd jobs that I do, right, Tom? That is correct, sir. Uh, ben is a man of 
many, many, well, things. I don't know if I want to say talents. Yeah, don't, no, he, he's, he's a man of many things that take up his time. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, a couple of them are super interesting. And I, I really thought, hey, you know, we could touch on that. And that kind of developed into the whole, you know, we had a really good time having the focused month on mental health, even though, you know, it was very uh, extensive in one way. So we were like, oh, I don't know if we want to do like a whole month. But then we just kind of said, well, hey, what if we just try and focus on this overall? And that's kind of how the idea came about. So, uh, Ben, do you uh, let's let's talk about inmates and prison medicine, Ben. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. So I have actually had the opportunity to work both in the prison setting um, with KDOC and I've also had the opportunity to work in the county jail setting as the healthcare provider for both. And so it's an interesting mix of uh, after they're sentenced and they're not going anywhere versus county jail where they're frequently trying to uh, figure a way out of jail. So I've done both for um, about 18 months. I uh, don't do the prison uh anymore but i am still involved in the they let you off yeah, for good yeah, behavior eventually you know <laughs> probation uh, but yeah so i get that opportunity so tom what is let's let's talk more about that so what would you want to know or what some things that questions that you might well, have so oddly enough um and i do not know if we have ever discussed this i've actually worked in prison I was a drill instructor for a shock incarceration facility, and I, which obviously is not the same as a regular prison. Like we were drill instructors, we got to yell at people and make them do whatever we wanted, which you can't do with regular inmates. So, one of the first things is they generally say, you know, inmates run the prison. Is there any sort of specific rules, or clearly the patient population is different? <laughs> so. Is there, is there different ways of interacting? Because, like, when we deal with patients in the office setting, you know, to an extent, as much as possible, we try to accommodate their needs. What are some of the things that you have to be cognizant of when you're talking to a patient that you know is, one, going to try and pull the wool over your eyes, and two, may have an ulterior motive to that, or three, are there just general rules to help protect you in those and yeah, uh, Jen wants to know about soap-related issues. <laughs> I, the soap was never dropped. Uh, I never showered there, so. <laughs> so in the prison setting, it's a little bit different than the county jail setting because, like I said, they're there for a you know X number of years, um, and so we do a lot of their chronic care. So the you know the diabetes, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, things of that nature. The benefit to that and what uh, the way that they can sell that to uh, they privatized a lot of the healthcare for the prison system. Uh, the way that they sell that then is they can say, well, look how great our numbers are. Look how great our patients A1Cs are. Look how great our cholesterol panels are. Well, but part of that is because we control literally everything. Their diet is controlled. They have to come to the uh, office every three months. Their medication is controlled. They don't get to forget it. Uh, so that's all a very controlled environment in the prison setting. In the jail setting, it's you may see them once and never see them again, or you may have those who bounce back into jail, you know, every couple of months. Um, a lot of that is more if they come in on a medication and they're relatively stable and it's not a narcotic or uh, I'm not a huge fan of like Theraquil in, in the jail setting. Uh, medications that are sedating try to avoid a lot of those as much as we can just because it can be passed around the jail uh, i know you would be shocked that that happens but it does happen um, i was gonna say you don't want an antipsychotic in the jail like shouldn't you be like we should have a seroquel mist running through this place antipsychotics yes sedating antipsychotics no but what if you gave them to everybody well we can't do that <laughs> well, well, you can't. 
No. Oh, man, that changes everything right now. Hold on. It's, so as far as protection in the uh, prison setting, I'd never... And granted, I'm a big guy, so I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I never felt threatened or concerned. One of the things I did not do is I did not go out of my way to know what they were in there for. Um, I didn't want any, not that it would cloud my judgment, but I just didn't want that to be there. Uh, now, I did have several of them would come in and tell me what they had done or what they had done to get there. Some would say, you know, of course, they're innocent. Some would say, no, I did it. Um, and that now as far as the jail i do know what they're in for it doesn't influence the health care that i provide but in jail it's a lot of it's like dental and uh, some hypertension lots of anxiety problems like that uh, and a lot and a lot a lot of jailitis is what i call it which is basically scheming to see if they can figure out a way to get out get or bonded get sent to the hospital whatever just to get out of that cell for a few minutes um, in the I jail. think everybody calls it jailitis. Yeah, well, they, I mean, or I've used that term. To, yeah, or yeah, they got sure. allergy to steel bracelets. Yeah. Um, but at the jail, all of the interactions that I have with inmates there are recorded on the officers' body cams, uh, so that there's no question as to what was said, what wasn't said, anything along those lines. Okay. So I guess that that does lead to a philosophical difference in medication giving in the long term versus the acute setting. So let's say a guy is on tramadol. Okay. I, I know you don't. I know you never want to put. I know it may sound harsh to those that have never been in a prison setting or known anybody in prison, etc. Um, but people there, in the most part, you have to assume. And I, I don't know how else to explain it. You have to assume that they're going to try and game you the sure. entire time that they're in there. Okay. Um, they could be a 75 year old inmate. I'm still going to assume this guy's got a plan. <laughs> All right. Uh, it may not be to hurt me. I'm not saying it has to be some diabolical issue, but I'm going to assume that if he wants me to give him tramadol, it may be for some ulterior motive other than pain. But like you said, it's also a much more controlled environment where you you can urine test them anytime you want etc 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 are you more likely to give certain medications in that chronic and controlled situation that you would not be willing to give in a cute jail setting somewhat yes um for the most part we tried to be as much of a non-narcotic facility as we could be and of course benzos were completely out uh, as far as not to be used but we did have patients who would have uh, like I've taken care of a collapsed lung in the jail setting uh, you know they were sent out to the ER uh, and then they were sent back and they were sent back on pain medication a very short prescription of pain medication but that pain medication was administered um, there but again it's not something that they get to like keep at their bunk and hang out with it's all controlled and all dispensed exactly. through the med aid and they have officers there and they check their mouth to make sure that they're not chicken meds, things of that nature. Uh, the jail setting, yeah, it's uh, the company that I work for where you don't have a formulary by any means. I mean, if we needed to use medications, we certainly could. Um, it's just I try to avoid that as much as I can just because you don't want, you know, we have had inmates that had come in on Seroquel, and I had previously tried to leave them on their medication if they were stable, and then the next week you have seven requests for Seroquel because ain't that a thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Well, and again, that, that goes back to this whole, you, for those that don't know, you have to assume you're going to be gamed. And even if, um, Mr. Smith is legitimately taking his Seroquel or Tramadol, etc. What somebody says, Hey, you know, I thought you said you had back pain. And he's like, yeah, but I take Tramadol and none of my pain goes away these guys aren't dumb. Okay. Um, they may be ignorant of the law or things that they needed to do to end up in jail, but it doesn't matter what you do or who it is. If you leave them in a cell long enough, they can get clever. Okay. So to assume that that person isn't talking or they're not figuring stuff out would just set you up for a failure practice, I guess. What I mean, can you think of another way to put that? No, I think that's a, a fair assessment. And the only other big difference between a prison setting and a jail setting, 
uh, prison setting, we do have more freedom to do certain things as far as, you know, if I have people who have really bad teeth or things of that nature, we can refer them out um, to in-house dentists that come in and do that. In the jail, we don't have things like that. So it's basically, it's not a medical emergency. You're not going to get, you don't get to go out and go to the dentist. Um, I mean, you're in, you're in jail. <laughs> I mean, Whereas exactly. like I said, in, in the prison setting, because it's a chronic, a more chronic environment, we have dentists that come in and take care of things of, of that nature. And we have the ability to get surgeons in and things like that, that we would not get in the jail. So knowing all that, what are some of the things that you would see from time to time that you said, okay, no, this is something that needs to be dealt with immediately in either the jail or prison setting, or that is like, and okay. So you just said dentistry. So let's not use dentistry, but what types of conditions or things did you see? You go, Whoa, wait a second. This definitely needs handled that may be specific to prison. Cause I can think of a couple things right off the top of my head that I'd be like, okay, yeah, we need to get on this. Um, that's a good question. Well, of course, that's why I said it. <laughs> uh, in the prison that I worked in, it was, it was more of a geriatric prison as well. And so we had to be real cognizant of cardiac issues. Um, and of course, anything like that, we're going to notify 911, but that would be the same at the jail. Um, you know, if someone has a history of cardiac issues and they're having chest pain and they're diaphoretic, then they're likely going to get at least evaluated by EMS. Whereas if you're 21 and beating on the door, screaming that you're having a heart attack, you're more than likely probably not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, though, I mean, a lot of it's just kind of what you would, if you would see them in a clinic and go, you know what, this needs more than what I can do, they probably need to go to the ER. It would be the very same, similar to that in prison. So some of the things I was thinking, and not that you couldn't take care of the basis of it, um, but again, for people that don't think about this prison is a close contact area and, and i don't mean that in a sexual way i just mean you are in a enclosed space at all lots times with lots and lots of other people my first thought was like skin issues like there may become uh, like hey okay i've hit this with steroids i've hit this with creams okay this is not something i'm able to fix you know, the biggest skin issue that we would run into, and I'm sure you're not going to be shocked by any means, is things like MRSA or cellulitis. Yeah. And what we would do is we would do like what we would do in the clinic. We would uh, IND it, and they would be placed into segregation until the uh, lesion healed up completely. Sure, that made them happy. A, yeah, well, not really, but... Yeah, yeah nobody likes... The, uh, there's a reason they call it the hole. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody wants to be there. <clears throat> but the flip side is we're trying to protect the rest of the population at that point. And like you said, it is very close quarters. You know, there's often, you know, potentially hundreds of people sharing the same set of toilets. So you have to be very cognizant of skin issues. So in the infirmary setting, though, um, what type of basics? I You just said uh, INDs, so clearly scalpels. Did you have any sort of x-ray or IV medications if possible, et cetera? In the prison setting, we did have the ability to start IVs and administer fluid. Uh, we would kind of be able to do uh, like outpatient observation, like a 23-hour observation type setting. Anything that beyond that, it had to go up to uh, the higher facility because we were kind of a satellite facility of the prison. Um, we did have scalpels. We were able to administer injections, um, anything like that, really. Like I said, very similar to the clinic outside of other than we could do uh, IVs and IV antibiotics and things of that nature if needed. Okay. Last thing, and then we can move on to the next one, but this might be one of those things that people don't think about for those that are thinking about a career or possibly like a side job that involves, um, correctional medicine. What are some of the things that you go through on a daily basis, just getting in and out of the prison, et cetera? So in the prison setting, you have to go through metal detectors that you're not allowed to bring, uh, phones, anything like that, because those are devices that uh, 
are a source of power in the prison setting. Um, and so you don't have anything like that. And we go through metal detectors to make sure that everything is cleared as far as that goes. And that's about any time that you go in and out of the prison setting. Uh, that is one of the, the problems with uh, getting, like if we would call an ambulance, is they would have to go through several gates to get through, and that ambulance would have to be inspected by officers several times before they were able to get to the patient, and then to get the patient back out again, it's more inspections. Um, the jail setting, not quite as um, stringent as far as that goes. Um, we try not to take cell phones in there, but beyond that, there's not really any um, metal detectors or anything like that because, again, it's a county jail where people are kind of popping in and out all the time. Um, we do have to go through a set of two locked doors that are locked through our dispatch center, and they have cameras to make sure that it's us going through and not inmates. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's kind of a much more relaxed setting. Uh, Jen wanted to know if there's any required vaccines for... The inmates are for the provider. Let's just cover both. Can like can they require can they refuse vaccines or is there any required of the inmates? You know, I'm trying to think. I don't know that there's necessarily any required vaccines. I mean, obviously, if they were to get an open wound of any type, we would recommend a Tdap, um, and we would also for providers. I mean, we we want to have our tetanus up to date as well as probably our Hep B vaccines. But uh, beyond that, really, there's not a whole lot as far as required vaccines that I can think of. And I've never had, I don't know that we've ever had to administer vaccines in the time that I've been there, either the prison or the jail. So I don't. Not even like flu shots? No. Now, we we did do flu shots in the prison. Um, And I don't know if they were able to, I truly don't remember if they were able to refuse or not. I would assume that they would only be able to possibly like on a uh, religious grounds or something like that. Yeah. And I, I would not want to speculate because I, like I said, I don't recall off the top of my head. I've not worked there for several years. Pretty much everything we do is speculation, Ben. Give me some speculation. I know, but in this case, I'm not. Give me that good that. speculation, man. Give me that, that <laughs> homegrown speculation. Let's go. No. Okay. So now that we have covered that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on to another fun and fantastic side uh, gig, job, uh, occupation, uh, whatever you want to call it, for Mr. Benjamin here. And that would be that he is a deputy coroner. Is that correct? That is correct. That is my title now. Yeah. So I am. Well, Go ahead. I, I, I want you to tell us, but. The reason I said that, and we can discuss it here in a minute, I guess I just want to bring it up because this is one of those things that we normally edit out, <laughs> like the little mid-show note that we do to each other. Um, there was that special by John Oliver on Last Week Tonight about death investigations. Did you see that? Yes, I did see okay, that, so, actually. Yeah. So, so I was just going to say is, are you a part of a medical examination team or a coroner? But let's... Let's go ahead and start with your background, and then we can discuss that. Okay. So I actually started out in this role as a death investigator. Uh, So I would work directly under the deputy coroner for the county, who also then works under the coroner for the district. The coroner for the district has to be an MD or a DO. Beyond that, it can be anybody with uh, that is appointed or deputized and then hired from there so I did that role for about a year um, and then uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances that we were not anticipating um, I ended up having to be um, elevated to the role of deputy coroner and so I was actually deputized and uh, and the deputy coroner so now like which everybody thinks oh that's really cool (laughs) like Jen said but honestly the extent of what I do once you explain it to people, they're like, well, okay, I mean, it's cool, but it's not like what you see on TV where it's not like I'm out doing the autopsies. Yeah. I think so many people anticipate that they're going to hear a story from CSI. Yeah. And you know, it's sadly it's where the, uh, uh, 
Um, you know, the truth does not match the fiction, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, Rarely does the truth match the fiction. So True. But yeah, I am on call 24-7 for the, the county that I live in, uh, and I will respond to any unattended deaths in the county. And I can also uh, respond to any uh, any of the hospitals if they re- request a coroner uh, evaluation or, of course, any of the police departments if they feel like they are, they are needed. Uh, so what I basically do then at that point is I will go out and I will assess the scene, see if I determine any reasons for foul play, any concerns as far as that goes, and make the determination if I feel like this is a natural death or if it's something where perhaps we need to get an autopsy to more definitively rule that out. Uh, once I make that determination, then we contact a transport service, and at that point it becomes more of a law enforcement aspect as opposed to the medical aspect. And uh, at that point, then the body is sealed, evidence um, is collected, and uh, the body or the uh, the bag is tagged, and the evidence custody receipt is filled out, and that body is transported to uh, the company that does our um, autopsies. Which I I think that's an interesting fact also that a lot of people don't know that it is so hard for most areas, places, et cetera, states uh, to get certified pathologists that a lot of these autopsies are being done by private services like that. Yeah, I believe there's two in the state of Kansas where I live. Um, I believe one in Wichita and one in Kansas City. Yeah. So a lot of people think, like I said, they watch television shows and like, oh, this is uh, the state of New York's deputy medical examiner. No, that's not how it normally works. There are times and places uh, with medical examination, but the coroners don't act in that same. And I thought it was also interesting. So you realistically don't have to have any sort of medical training. That is correct. To actually be the deputy coroner, it, uh, there is no definitive medical training. Now, it certainly has been official, and I think it has helped me greatly in that role because then I can go in and I can look at medications that the patient was taking and things of that nature, and I can make more of a medical uh, educated guess as opposed to someone who uh, may have had only law enforcement experience. <laughs> Sam, no, I'm not overqualified. I'm perfectly qualified. <laughs> Well, I, again, it goes back to the whole people think that both terms are synonymous, which they're not, and that they're expecting there to be some kind of like ultra rigorous background and training. And in and, and many cases, I, I think you I think most people that are doing this job, I, I don't want to cast any stones or anything like that. I think most people that do this job. They are well qualified in one form or another. Like you happen to be a nurse practitioner. I think another guy who may be a deputy coroner uh, isn't a, a doctor or nurse practitioner, but he's also got 30 years of death investigation. Certainly is a person that is qualified or has been around enough death scenes. He can start to say, hey, this looks like it may or may not be something we want to investigate. But that leads to the next question for me, which is. What types of things are you, in fact, looking for? Like, are there any automatic, you see this, you snap your fingers, like this is a, a, a autopsy case, or what types of things lead you to that determination? Well, Besides the obvious, like a bullet hole. Like, I, I get saying, that, well, okay, but... Yeah, a bullet hole is going to be the first one you go, hmm, <laughs> perhaps we need an autopsy on this person. Yes. <laughs> What he he committed suicide by hitting himself in the head with a hammer forty seven times. I think we need an autopsy. Yeah, I I get that. Okay, but I'm saying is is there more uh, depth on most cases that that leads you? There out? is. A lot of it is a it's kind of a combination. And luckily, I do have some law enforcement experience, as we have talked about before, and I have, uh, of course, the medical experience. And I think a lot of the uh, deputy coroners in this area do have medical experience. I'm trying to think of everybody that I know off the top of my head that works in this area and I believe they're all medical in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but it's that partial medicine, partial investigation and trying to make the determination of what occurred here, whether it was now, uh, 
taking out the obvious cases of murder uh, or suicide, which are all going to be automatic autopsy cases. Um, beyond that, it's uh, looking around, uh, you know, if it's a patient who is over 50 and maybe they have some comorbidities and they have hypertension and we're able to find pill bottles to make that determination that, you know what, they do have several comorbidities. This is likely going to be a natural event. Um, a lot of it's looking at, was there forced entry into the home? Was there any signs of foul play? Uh, was there any petechiae in the eyes to indicate like the patient was choked? Um, was there any signs, any battle wounds, any defense wounds? Um, so it's kind of a combination of that. And then listening to your law enforcement officers as well to kind of piece everything together as to what happened. Well, the petechiae in the eyes, I saw that on a uh, TV show one time. So I feel like I'm halfway qualified. Well, there you go. We'll just need to get you deputized. Yeah. That, you know, they got the spot thingies on the, the eye parts. Um, so I think that means something bad happened to their throat area. So, but uh, the actual corner that I, <laughs> that I work with, he'd had a case where a elderly gentleman was involved in a car accident by, it was one vehicle car accident, kind of went off the road, had died got there thought you know this appears to be kind of a natural cause and one of the things that he stressed to me is make sure that you are really examining the body you're examining the scene real well because his initial thought was they you know he probably had an mi and you know drove off the road upon closer examination he had a bullet wound in his leg may not have noticed that initially on the initial assessment um, and so that ended up being an autopsy case because there was an obvious bullet wound and as we've already established, bullets aren't naturally occurring. So, <laughs> sorry. I don't know of any that are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I'm thinking in my head, like, so you think that the bullet wound naturally occurred? Because, you know, at some point somebody had to explain that. <laughs> True. Sometime know. in the history of mankind, somebody had to say, nah, this is not how that works. Just throwing that out there. But so. Oh, go on. I was going to say, but most car accidents, I'm usually going to send because I want to see if, you know, did they die from the car accident? Did they have an event prior to that? Um, some other automatic go-tos. <laughs> Jen, he fell on that bullet. Yeah, he did, and that's how it got there. Really uh, hard at 3,200 feet a second. Or, uh, yeah, so. Uh, but some other one, pediatrics are automatic, have to go for an autopsy no matter what. Uh, for obvious reasons is there is there a age limit though like 15 and under like when when did you say or when did you say jesus christ oh, when do you determine or what age have you determined that you set as your bar like okay here it is honestly if they are probably under 25 and have no comorbidities and are just dead I'm probably going to send them. Okay. Um, just because we need to make the determination of what exactly had happened, whether they choked on something, whether it was truly just a, you know, a PE or a freak accident or, or whatever. Um, suicides are going to be an automatic go-to a lot of times just make the determination of exactly what occurred. Uh, the other thing that we check is they will check, the uh, 10 most common uh, drugs of abuse as well as alcohol to see if any of that's in their system. Um, and so a lot of that is the, uh, <laughs> Sam, a lot of that does take up to about six weeks to even two months before I will get a final autopsy result back. Um, and Sam is it usually, it's usually the Butler that is true, but that's only with the candlestick in the kitchen. Uh, I was going to say the, uh, uh Damn it. Is it the kitchen? I haven't played that game. I, I honestly don't know if I've played a whole game of Clue. So, yeah, he did do it. Yeah. So, so those are your automatics. Um, have you had a pro... Shut up, Sam. Um, have you noticed or have you had any issues 
with someone saying you're doing too many autopsies or anything like that. Like I, somebody has to pay for these. So is what I'm getting at. And in, in the hospital setting, we get, Hey, you know, was this necessary or we have to PA for a cat scan. Have you ever run into or had anybody say you have to start justifying it? Or is there a justification process? Like if you order an autopsy, do you have to do a different sort of case report that you wouldn't for non autopsies? No. So the actual report I do is the exact same, no matter whether it's an autopsy or not. Anytime that I get called out, I'm going to do the exact same report, which is going to basically be the patient's demographic information, um, anything that I seen, any of the law enforcement officers that are there, their case number, and then my assessment of the scene, uh, my assessment of the decedent and then my final kind of impressions. Um, have I ever had anybody tell me I do too many autopsies? No, uh, they are actually funded through the County. The County has to pay for all of those and it's budgeted into the County's budget through the Sheriff's department. Um, so I have not ever been told, Hey, you're, you're doing way too many of these. Um, a lot of them are justified. I usually will make communication with uh, the sheriff just so he knows what's going on as far as, Hey, I've ordered this autopsy on Joe Smith for whatever reason. Um, and it's just kind of a cost of doing business. Okay. So two questions just came to mind based off the last couple of statements. Is okay. there a ratio that you have found to be pretty consistent, like 20% of your cases are autopsies, etc. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say probably closer to about 60%. Are um, autopsies. Are autopsies. Because lots of times if I'm getting called out, it's because there's a reason. Very rarely is it the 90-year-old who didn't wake up the next day. Um, although I, those calls do happen lots more times. It's more the car accidents, suicides, murders, um, drownings, things of that nature that I get called out for. So I'd say probably 60% of my calls are, are autopsy cases. I only wish that you had still been a coroner when I was still at the department because I would have demanded a coroner call out for everything. You found a dead possum on the road. You better get that goddamn coroner out here. Uh, <laughs> I need a determination on this scene. Uh, yeah, that's always. And I actually, one. you know, that brings up an interesting story, Tom. I actually have gotten into it with law enforcement as far as needing an autopsy versus not needing an autopsy to the point that, they called their higher-ups, I called my higher-ups, and we made the determination that an autopsy was not needed. Uh, but it was basically an elderly person who had been found, had been um, deceased most of that day, and uh, law enforcement wanted an autopsy, and I argued, what's the point? It's not going to make determination um, as far as like negligence or anything along those lines, which is what they were concerned about, so we ultimately did not do the autopsy because I did not feel that it was going to be justified because those cops didn't want to do their job. I get what you're saying. I never said that. Don't put words in my mouth. Those coffee swilling donut hole stuffing freaking police officers. Yeah. Those guys are shifty. You gotta be careful. But that does lead me actually indirectly to (laughs) my second question about those sneaky, sneaky, self-sacrificing, working on holidays away from their families, uh, first responders. It is only the highfalutin neighborhoods. Those possums are important. Sorry, so the people that are listening, we have a whole thing going on in our chat board in the room that me and Ben can read and we're like laughing about. Reacting, Uh, So the, the second part question to that is, and this will probably be the last real question, Honestly, because we're at yeah, we're pretty we're far out of time. What do you, if anything, do special if it is a police or officer involved death? I have not had one. Knock on wood. Yeah. Oh God. You know what happens the next full moon? 
<laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, no, I've I've actually not had one of those. I've had uh, I've had cases where we have had audiences of people standing outside of the police lines. Um, I've had pictures of myself thrown up on Facebook as, well, look, the coroner's here now. Um, <laughs> I've had um, mm, lots of things along here. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I've not had anything officer involved. Uh, it likely would, I would not handle any differently other than um, of course, at that point, likely is going to be more of a KBI case versus. Um, well, it's it, local you're right. So, and for those people outside of Kansas, Kansas's KBI is the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. It's like a mini FBI. It's their state investigation agency. Each state is going to have their own, except for the state of Hawaii. Did you know this? The sheriff's office is the state investigation agency for the entire state of Hawaii. So. That was a little factoid really, for you right there. But the point is, is yes, law enforcement wise, it's going to be kicked up. There are still going to have to probably be some kind of medical intervention as far as determinations, etc. Would that be left up to you or would they say, no, get your boss down here? I mean, what do you think would happen? I think at that point it would be automatically elevated. I mean, there's just there's. <clears throat> Nothing, no way around that. Gotcha. Well, so I think we got, you know, some of the stuff done. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think it was, hopefully it was an interesting look into some of the other uh, and we're gonna have, jobs that can be done. Yeah, and we're going to have lots of other people on here. I don't want... I. I know you like to tell people, and next week... No, we don't have to. I, I don't want to just because... As we found out this week, we had multiple things lined up and some of them didn't happen. And for various reasons, and that's fine. I mean, shit does happen. Um, so Let's I just say we have lots of interesting guests coming over the next coming weeks. Yes, for sure. We have very interesting people and we hopefully will have them all on. Uh, I just wish I had something cool. I mean, besides being, you know, super handsome and... Um, uh, possible Nobel laureate uh, should, you know, probably win a Peabody award for our work on the show. You know, besides stuff like that, I really don't have a lot going for me. So I suspect you know. after the Nobel committee hears that you paid for an overpriced dog, you're likely going to be out of contention for a Nobel prize. Low blow, sir. Low blow. <laughs> I know. Um, All right. Wait till I see a picture of this goddamn dog, though. The dog, the dog is cute. I will give you that. Thank you. Maybe we'll throw that up on our social media, Tom. So oh you can find God. us on Facebook. What we have, we have a mascot. Oh, <laughs> our show is not overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> it's for free. It's still overpriced, Ben. So. <laughs> Some people might think it is. Sam probably does. Um, oh. Okay, you can if you like this episode. This is our live episode. So make sure if we do another live episode. Join us on Mixer like Sam and Jen did and get to interact directly with us and make us laugh during the show. Uh, but otherwise, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or at www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email is admin at justsomepodcast.com. It costs me quite a bit. What? Uh, just your sanity, Sam. Just yeah, your sanity. you're going to have to text me what it, what it costs you. So, kibbles. But beyond that, like we said, we got all kinds of interesting guests coming up over the coming weeks as we're going to highlight some interesting jobs in healthcare. And I think everybody's in healthcare as far as I know. But hell, we might uh, reach out they're to all them. They're all involved in some facet of healthcare that I can think of right now. Yeah, me too. So, all right. Well, on that note, I hope everybody enjoyed the, the live episode. Like I said again. Mixer.com slash just some podcast if you want to join us next time that we do this. And if you really like the show and you want us to do it more often, let us know. This is why we did it. So we got that positive feedback, said, hey, we really like stuff like this. Let us know. And if it turned out really well and you guys thought it was great, um, 
the chat room. To- yeah, the chat conversation is lighting up. Not wearing pants and drinking beer. This is my type of convo right here. Um, <laughs> so if you like this and you want to get involved, or hell, if you don't want to get involved, you just liked this format. Let us know, and we can try and accommodate you guys more often. We probably won't do it very often with guests. Maybe some of the returning guests. Like I think Jeff would be a good one. Like I think Jeff could handle it. Jeff um, would do well, but yeah, I mean like new guests we probably won't expose them to uh to Jen Pantless and producer Sam, so <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my type of party. Yeah, <laughs> so. Might be theirs too. Hell we don't know. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, I hope everybody has a great week. Everybody stay safe out there. Come to fight